All right. You guys are like, should I clap? I don't know. Uh, well, welcome. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Um, uh, we'll take a little break um, from uh, Pastor Mark going through Luke since he's away today. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about our identity. And we know, uh, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would, with me. We know that our identity is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Not so much in the things of this world or the things of the culture, but ultimately, we know and discover who we are in and through Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And, and I want to I take some time and, uh, and, and look at that because... The, because, I, I mean, I think if we're honest, the world is in a bit of an identity crisis right now, isn't it? I, I mean, you just turn on the TV and you can see that nobody knows who they are anymore. Nobody even knows how to act anymore. It's just, it's just crazy. And, and, and really, this should not surprise any of us. I mean, we're living in a world that has actively and, and, and passionately rejected the idea of God. We're living in a world that, 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 that does, does not want to be accountable to a supreme creator. And so as a result, uh, we have a bunch of people who don't understand who they are. Amen. And that's to be expected. If you reject the creator, then the creation gets really confused. <laughs> And so here we can just see that all over the place, that uh, our world has uh, just done everything it can to reject the idea of God, and, and as a result, we have a bunch of people who are want, running around and going, okay, but then who am I? What is the purpose of all of this? And honestly, without God, you can't really answer that question very well, can you? I mean... If we're just a bunch of cosmic space dust that ran into each other and, and then appeared, what's the, what's the point of all of this? And, 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 so, and, and so that's the reality that we're looking at today. We have a world and we have a culture who does not want to uh, acknowledge the existence of a creator God. And therefore, we have creations who are now acting well, like idiots. <laughs> Because <laughs> we don't know who we are anymore. And, and, and the truth is, honestly, uh, we see that even happening in the church. That even believers in Christ are struggling with who they are. E even those who believe in a creator are struggling like, okay, yeah, but, but, but who am I? The world has rejected God, and, and, and as a result, we have people who are confused about their gender. We have people who are confused about their sexual orientation. We have uh, racism and sexism. We have a midlife crisis, and the list goes on and on and on. We are living in a world that's full of people who are broken and hurting because they don't know why they're here. And can I tell you, that's a scary thought to know that I exist, but I exist for no purpose. That's a terrible existence. But we know that in Christ Jesus, those questions are answered. But we still struggle with it. So I want to talk about that 
with you. Um, a, a while back, Lauren and I, uh, we, we went away for a few days and um, we were just wanting to rest and to get away. And so what we did is we decided, uh, you know, we, we went to the store to get some things and, and we got a puzzle. And we thought, let's do a puzzle, <laughs> right? And, and uh, you know, at first I wasn't really sure about that, but we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's try this. So we got, we got this puzzle and it was like, I don't know, like 500 pieces or something like that, a 1,000 pieces, which if you do puzzles, like that's not a big deal. But like, you know, if you're a puzzle, puzzle novice like myself, that's a big deal, all right? That's a lot, because last time I did a puzzle, it was a jigsaw puzzle and it had like the outline of where everything went for me, you know? Uh, but we went and we got this puzzle, and it was a beautiful picture. It was a puzzle of this beautiful picture. It's like, oh, that's really cool. That will be fun. And so we take it, and we, and we dump it out on the table. And in that moment, I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> because the idea of putting a puzzle together could be, if you're a nerd like me, really you know, fun and exciting. Um, but then when you, when you dump the puzzle out, you're like, wait a second. Oh, some assembly required, Right? <laughs> And, and, and so you dump a puzzle, and it can feel kind of overwhelming because you, you dump out all of those pieces, and it's just literally like hundreds of pieces of cardboard, and you're like, eh, why, you know? And, and so we, we got all of that, and, and you start like, and, and it's like really, like you've got to be, you got to be a nerd to get into puzzles because like the first part of it is sorting. <laughs> like, like the first task of puzzle putting together is you sort pieces. <laughs> Who gets excited about sorting things, you know? Just, just nerds, really. And uh, so you're sitting there, you're sorting the pieces and, and you know, questioning uh, your life decisions. And then, you know, you start to put, a, put together the, the edge pieces. And that takes forever. And we were doing that, and it took so long, and all we had to show for it was the edge, and, it, and that was an accomplishment. It was like, we got the edge. Why? <laughs> and, uh, but but what was, what's cool about it, though, is as you continue on, and, and you know, I, I really encourage you, you know, you know, you know take a vacation sometime when you're bored. <laughs> like, be bored. Like, that's okay. We're, we're, we're afraid of boredom. You never know what you do. You might do a puzzle, you know? Uh, and so, uh, so we continue putting the pieces together, and, and after, well, hours, <laughs> we, you, it, started to, it started to take shape, and, and you started to see progress, and, and as intimidating as the puzzle was to begin with, there was nothing more exciting about seeing it begin to take place, right? Like, like there was, there, it was just, man, it was like, oh, okay. We're, we're accomplishing something here, right? And, and, and many of you know, man, there's nothing, there's no better feeling in the world to, to know you've accomplished something. And so as, as we started to put it together, it started to take shape, and then it got exciting. Then it was like, oh, man, like we're, we're, we are getting this, we're figuring this out. We're getting this put together. We're, we're doing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like the box. This is going to be awesome, Right? And so, we're, and so we're putting the pieces together and we get start and, 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 and like the track, you start to like gain traction, right? Like, and, and, and as you get closer and closer to the end and you see more and more of the picture coming together, you get more and more determined to see it to the end, more and more determined to finish it. And so we get, you know, we get to the end and, and 
we're putting all of the pieces and, and, and we're putting them all together and putting them all in place and, and getting them all connected. And, and then we get to the, the very end and we've got the last few pieces and we're just kind of like racing to see who can get them in first. And then uh, we get them all in, uh, but there's one piece still missing. And you're like, where is this piece? And you know, it's always a sky piece. It's just like a random blue piece. And, and it's like, the, 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 the picture looks amazing, but there's just this weird gap in the corner right here. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like we're looking everywhere, and, and you, we can't find that last piece. And man, i got to tell you, there's nothing more frustrating in the world than to spend hours of your life putting something together just to walk away from it 99.9% .9 finished. Oh, cause some, that'll cause some fights right there. I mean, we'll need some marriage counseling. <laughs> and I'm looking all over. And, and again, it's always just like an insignificant piece, you know? It, it, it's, like, it's, it's not even like part of the dog's face, you know? It's just, it's just blue. It's just nothing. And earlier in the puzzle, like when we were sorting, that's, the, that's one of the pieces that you just throw to the side. Like, man, I, I don't ever want to, you know, that thing's worthless, Right? Nothing's not cool. It's not special. There's nothing about it that's interesting. And so you just kind of toss it to the side. But when you get to the end, can I tell you, that's the only piece you care about. And it's often that's the way it is with us. That's often the way it is in the body of Christ. You see, we are, the title of my sermon is Puzzled Pieces, because we are often pieces of something that's much greater than ourselves, but uh, uh, honestly, uh, uh, on our own, we're lacking. But the puzzle is missing without us. Does that make sense? Amen. In fact, the apostle Paul, he put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For if one spirit, uh, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged, uh, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may, may be no division in the body, but that the, members of, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prophets? Are all apostles? Are all teachers? Uh, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Bow your heads, let's pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you so much for the word of God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would open our eyes and our heart to hear what it is that you have to say to us today. God, it's not about me. It's not about what I have to say. God, we want to hear from the throne of grace. And so we ask, Holy Spirit of God, come and do what only you can do in this place, Jesus. Lord, you know everyone. You know what they face today. You know what they're going through. And, and I ask, God, that you would minister to the hearts of every single one and that you would be lifted up and that you would be glorified above everything else. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so here, the, the Apostle Paul, he, he gives this illustration of our uh, 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 Christian identity as a body. And in that body, there are many, many different parts, but there is only one body. So though there are different parts of the body that have different roles and, and, and different things, we are all a part of something greater than ourselves. Now, when we look at this in the context of who we are in Christ Jesus and our identity as Christians, there's a, a few layers that I want to look at with you today. The first layer is that we are individuals. You are an individual. You are unique. You are you. And that's important for us to grab a hold of because I think oftentimes we forget just we forget the reality that God made us individuals. We, we, we come into a, a place like this and we look around at all of the people and we automatically start to think, I should be more like that. Well, if only I was more like so-and-so, if only I could sing like them or, 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 or speak like them or, or whatever it might be. And, and I don't think we do it consciously, but this subconscious thing happens where we get into a crowd of people and we start to kind of conform and, and want to just change to be like someone else. I remember um, when I was young, I, I grew up in a Christian home my whole life. I don't ever remember a time where we didn't go to church. We were always in church, and um, uh, my, my parents loved the Lord, and they did the best they, they could to, to uh, encourage myself and my, my sister to uh, follow God. And, uh, and so I remember, I, I, I was always in church, always in Sunday school, and so I knew God. I, I, I believed in God. I believed in his word. But I remember, as a very young man, I remember sitting in my room, and I remember praying to God, and I remember saying, God, why am I here? Have you ever asked God that question before? I remember sitting there saying, God, why did you make me? And I remember for a very long time just feeling really confused about who I was, feeling really confused about why I existed, thinking, why would God make me? 
Why would God create me? God messed up, he must have messed up here somewhere, right? And, and I don't know, uh, you know why, but I, those were thoughts I had, those were feelings I had. And I remember very specifically sitting in my room and praying, going, God, why am I here? And I didn't know. And, and now that I look back on it, I, I, think, I think a big part of the reason why I struggled with my identity in Christ and, and, and who I was, well, because, well, it was my sister's fault. <laughs> Right? That's the easy thing to do. But, but, but honestly, I, when I think back about it, I, I, I had an older sister, God rest her soul. But I had an older sister, and she was amazing. Her name was Kyra. And Kyra was great at everything. Do you have an bro- older brother or sister that's great at everything? Aren't they annoying? What's wrong with them? That was my sister. She, she was great at everything. She, she was really athletic. Uh, I, I remember just, you know, all throughout the years, she was always involved in sports. Uh, she played all kinds of sports. She played basketball. She played volleyball. She did track. And she was just really athletic. She was good at it. Um, me, on the other hand, oh, I wasn't. <laughs> I know, that's a shock, okay? I, just, I wasn't. I, I wasn't athletic. I, I just, I wasn't good at sports, and my, my sister was, was great at sports, and I remember, I remember one time my parents, they made me try out for the basketball team at school, and I wasn't really that interested in it, but they, uh, God bless my parents, I think they were trying to just help me, like, like there's got to be something you're good at, you know, and so they're like, try out for the basketball team, and, and, and it was one of those things, you know, like people would always say, oh, you look like a basketball player, nope, <laughs> And so, and so I was like, all right, fine. And so and, and I didn't want to do it, but they, they made me do it. And, and, and so I went out to, to, to these the basketball tryouts. It was junior high basketball, which, you know, that's great. And um, so, I go to jun- so I go to these junior high basketball tryouts, and uh, we're doing some drills. And, and, and I'll never forget, I'm trying to dribble the ball, right? You know, that's pretty basic basketball thing, right? I could not do it. I was awful at it. Like, like, I just did not have the high hand-eye coordination. You guys all feeling bad for me now. I can see it. Ah, that's right. All of you guys who've laughed at me before feel bad. I couldn't do it. I was terrible at it. And, and the kids just made fun of me, man. They just, they just drilled into me, and it was embarrassing. And I went home, and I was like, Mom, I'm never going back to basketball ever again. I hate it. I don't care what you do. You can ground me for the rest of my life. I'm not playing basketball. I wouldn't do it. My sister was a, a, amazing. Um, she had this incredible musical ear. And she was super gifted with music. She had a beautiful singing voice. She would sing at church. She would do specials. And uh, she, would, uh, she was part of the, the, the youth worship team. She could play all kinds of instruments. I mean, she, she, she knew several instruments. And, and she was in band at school. She was that person that does this. What, what is that person? The, uh, drum per- they call it drum major. What, what, what is the purpose of that? So, I don't know. She was that. It was a big deal when she became that, you know. And uh, she, was, she was just good at all of that stuff. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Uh, in fact, mom made me uh, take piano lessons as a kid, and I hated it so much. <laughs> uh, but she made me a deal. She said, you have to try. You have to give it at least a year. And I fought her tooth and nail. I did not want to d- take piano lessons. I thought it was lame. I thought it was girly. I don't want to do this. 
but she made me do it and said, fine, if you do it for a year, if you give it a year, and after a year you still don't like it, then you can quit. And I said, okay, fine. And so I remembered every week after school, I would go to this uh, a lady's house and she would teach me piano and I would take these piano lessons for an entire year. Oh man, after that whole year of piano lessons, I knew how to do one thing on the piano and I knew like, I don't know, like position them with the two in the middle, right? You know what I'm talking about, musicians? And then I would go like that and then I'd go back again. That was my song. <laughs> I played it for the recital. It was terrible. <laughs> I hated it so much. And that night after the piano recital, I said, Mom, I'm not going back. I don't want anything to do with it. I couldn't do it. I hated it. My sister was a, a social butter, butterfly, man. She, it was just natural for her to make friends. Uh, she could get in a crowd of people and, and, and interact with them really well. And, and me, man, I, I struggled. I felt awkward in crowds. I was shy. I didn't know how to make friends. I still don't know how to make friends. You know, I'm just like, you want to be my friend? No, that's cool. I understand. <laughs> I don't get it. But my sister was good at all of those things. And so I think what happened growing up is I got into this place where I was constantly comparing myself to my sister and I realized that I wasn't like her. And you want to know why I wasn't like her? Because I wasn't her. I was me. And I didn't realize that for a long time. But here's the reality, church. You are you. And guess what? You are the only you that will ever exist in all of eternity, which is kind of a cool thought. But sometimes that we get really confused by that because we'll get into a, a crowd of people and we'll look at other people and what do we do? We start to compare ourselves with other people. But how weird is that? It doesn't make any sense for me to compare myself to someone else because they're not me. So I can compare myself to someone else and there will always be differences because I am me and they are them. So I, it, just, it doesn't work. But we do it, don't we? We get in and we get into places even like church and we start to compare ourselves with someone else and we think, well, gosh, if I could just be more like this person, if I could just be more like that person. Let me tell you right now, like, don't, you don't even, listen, you don't even want to be more like me. Trust me, okay? I don't even want to be more like me. Come on. And the reason for that is because God made you an individual. He made you not to be like anyone else. He made you to be you. He made you unique. You see, it says that here in our passage of Scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 12. It says in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So the body of Christ was never meant to look like all one person. We weren't ever meant to all look like just, uh, uh, just the pastor or the preacher or the worship leader. We are meant to be who God created us to be. You are you. You are a unique individual. And we know this. See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, this is a familiar psalm. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Remember, church, this was written by a guy. I love this. This was written by a guy who his entire family forgot about him when the prophet came for dinner. Right, David? 
And when the prophet came for dinner, like, like, and the prophet's like, there's got to be another kid. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's that kid out back, but we don't talk about him. <laughs> that guy wrote this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Even though nobody else saw him, God did. In your book were written every uh, were in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. That's saying, man, before the beginning of time, God had a plan for you. God made you you, and He had a plan for you. He, he, man, he, he had your days figured out. I, I still don't got my days figured out. Most of us don't have our days figured out. Guess what? God does. He knows you. He knows you because he created you and he created you to be you. You don't have to be anybody else. Can I tell you something, man? If we were to get a puzzle, it's kind of like the thing we do now when we go on vacation, we do puzzles. And if we were to get a puzzle and we were to dump the puzzle out on the table and every single piece was cut the exact same way and had the exact same pattern on it, can I tell you, that would be a dumb puzzle. What picture would that make? Nothing. It would just be a bunch of cardboard. I would throw that away. You see, God created us unique for a reason. He made us unique on purpose. I love what he says here in our passage of scripture. In verse 14, he says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So you might say, well, because I don't do this or because I don't do that, I'm not a part of the body. Eh, wrong. God's taken away. Listen, church, he's taken away all your excuses. Uh-oh. We'll have signups for volunteers in the back later. No, just kidding. He's taken away your excuses. That wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Sorry, you're stuck. If the whole body were an eye, this, I love this visual, where would the sense of hearing, if the whole body were an eye, that would be terrifying. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's just one big eye that's like, with, I just goop running down, I imagine. Like, what's the point of that? See, it sounds so silly, doesn't it? And yet we so often fall into that trap. We so often forget that God made us unique. He made you to be you. And that wasn't an accident. That wasn't a mistake. He did it on purpose. Amen. God created you to be you. He created you to be unique. And so what we understand is, is man, when we begin to discover identity in Christ, we begin to discover God made me unique. Mom always said I was special. It's true. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> It's true. We are unique. Now, here's the other side of this. Because, see, what, often, what happens so often, I was just, sorry, I just saw the time. I'm like, holy cow. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> what happens so often is, is that we take a biblical principle. This is what Satan does, right? He, he's an expert at this. He takes a biblical principle and he takes it out of context and it becomes sin in our life. 
okay? So, so he takes a biblical truth and, when he, and, he, and he twists it just enough for it to be a disaster for us. And so he does that often with this concept of, of our individual identity, who we are in Christ and our individualism. And so what happens oftentimes is we begin to then embrace our individualism, but we embrace it so much that now no one can ever tell me that I'm wrong, right? Because, oh, it's just me being me, right? Well, that's just the way I am, right? And it becomes, and then all of a sudden, our gift of being an individual becomes a crutch that we lean on. It becomes an excuse that we use. In fact, then we begin to embrace our sinful nature. We're like, well, that's just me. And the culture does this as well. The culture says, well, who are you to say what I'm doing is wrong? If it makes me happy, if it, if it feels good for me, then who are you to say that it's wrong? It's not about what I say. It's about what God says. He created you. He can tell you it's wrong. Yeah, he made you an individual, but he also made you, he, he also put some you know, parameters around there. It doesn't mean just whatever feels good or whatever seems right. No, no. So, so, so the pendulum swings so far to the other side. And come on, let's be honest. We're guilty about this. As Americans, we love our individuality, don't we? It's all about, man, my freedom and my liberty, my individuality. You know, it's me and nobody can tell me that I'm wrong, right? And don't take me out of context, but praise God. I, I, I love that fact. I love that part of our culture. But, but as a result, sometimes it screws us up spiritually. That we get so focused on our individuality that we begin to worship ourselves. And church, can I tell you something? God, yes, God made you an individual. Yes, God made you unique. But can I tell you that he did not make you you for you? God did not make you an individual so that you can just be, say, I'm an individual. God made you a unique individual for the sake of other unique individuals. God made you you, not for you, but for others. See, God's design here is, yes, you are unique. You are an individual, but you're a unique individual for the sake of the bigger picture. You're a piece of the puzzle. You're a unique piece, but you belong in the puzzle, connecting to other pieces of the puzzle. Does that make sense? So God didn't make you, you just for you, but he made you you for others. So we're not so that we can replicate them or, or try to be them, but so that we can be us and make this beautiful picture that is the church and the body of Christ. So you are you, but you're you for the sake of something that's greater than you. Again, if you, as an individual, we'll use the puzzle, as this individual puzzle piece, on your own, you're ugly. Right? Can I just tell you? Like, like, like the dog face on the puzzle is like, oh, what is that, right? And then when you fit it with the other half of the dog face, you're like, oh, it's a puppy, right? It makes sense in that context. On its own? Ugh. But together, you see what I'm saying here? See, God created us as individuals to be a part of a greater collective. And we see this happening naturally. This happens whether you believe in God or not. This just happens. I mean, think about it for a second because the, the, the second uh, layer of identity that we see here is family. And, and because, because there's no such thing as an individual without a family, right? I mean, individuals don't just pop up in the wilderness and come out and say, I'm here now, <laughs> right? 
How did you come into existence? You came into existence because of your family, because of the greater collective, the greater community that God put you in. You could not exist as an individual without other individuals. You couldn't exist as an individual without the family. And I love what it says in Galatians chapter 3. He, he writes this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. So this is funny because he's stripping away your individual you know, things. There's no Jew or Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So what happens is when we, uh, when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, he deposits his Holy Spirit into us, and all of a sudden we become a part of something greater than ourselves. We become a part of the body of Christ. And what is the vehicle that God used to uh, deliver that promise? Family. Because we sing this silly song that says, Father Abraham had many sons, and I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And yeah, so are you. <laughs> right? Why? Why? Because God's promise was delivered through the vehicle of the family. He gave it to Abraham as an individual, but that promise did not just stay with Abraham, but it extended into his family. That's why it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Not just Abraham. Why? Because it's a family thing. It was a family promise. God designed the family to deliver the Messiah and ultimately for us to be a part of the body of Christ. It came through the family. See, I think we've missed that in our culture today. We all know, I can stand up, in here, up here and say, family's important. You'd be like, yes, amen, of course. We know that, but do we know it as much as we should? Do we, just, do we know just how spiritual family is? How, how intentional God was when he designed the family. Uh, think about, I, I think about it in the way we use names. I, I never thought about this before, but, but, but just in the way we name kids, you know, it, it demonstrates this beautifully. Now, I don't know how every family works, but for me, I, I have three names. Most people have three names. Some people have more, but they're weird. I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> Right, but I have three names, and, and, and my first name is Trevor, and I remember asking my mom, Mom, why did you name me Trevor? Why couldn't you name me something cool like, you know, uh, White Lightning or something? <laughs> and, um, and, and she told me, she's like, you know, uh, well, I just, I just thought that was, you know, a unique name. You know, I just, I just, we didn't know a lot of people. We didn't know anybody with the name Trevor, you know, and, and, um, and we just, you know... Uh, we just liked it, and so we, we named you Trevor. And, and, and so that name, my name Trevor, it, it is representative to who I am as an individual. Most moms don't go, what's the most popular baby name? That's what I want to name my kid, right? No, you want to name them something that speaks to their individuality. You want something that identifies them as an individual, and so, and that's when my mom named, gave me that name. She, you know, there was nobody, I know, I know there's other people with the name of Trevor, but they're not the real Trevor, I am. Right? But, but there's no one else in my family with that name that I know of. And, and so it spoke specifically to the fact that I'm an individual. Now, uh, they also gave me a middle name. Now, my middle name is Jay. 
And the reason why they name me this, now I don't know if every family does this, but uh, I know a lot of families, like your name, your middle name might be the name of a family member or something. Is that a thing, right? Cool, okay, good. Um, I'm not weird. <laughs> so my dad gave me the middle name Jay because his middle name is Jay. And so he wanted me to name, he wanted to name his firstborn son after himself without you know, giving me his name. Does that make sense? So he gave me his middle name, and we share a middle name. I did the same with my firstborn son. So we share the name Jay, and that name speaks to the fact that I'm Marty's son. So I'm Trevor as an individual, but I'm Trevor J, Marty's son, and then I'm Trevor J. Rickard, which speaks not just to my father, but to his father and his father before him and all the way down the line as long as anybody could ever know. I'm, I'm Trevor J. Rickard. I'm an individual that's Marty's son, a part of the Rickard clan. So in my name, in, our, in the way we name it speaks to the fact that we're an individual, but we're an individual that's a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're an individual that's a part of a family. You see, God never intended for us just to be individuals. God never tended for us to be alone in it all. Now, some of you might say, but I want to be alone. <laughs> I get it. I, I get it. I understand. But that's not the way he did it. That's not the way, way he made it. I mean, think about it for a moment. When God created everything, remember, after all of creation, and he speaks it all into existence, he says one thing about creation. He says it is good, right? So God creates everything, and he says, man, this is good. But did you know there was one thing that God said, ooh, that's not good about creation? You know what it was? That's right. He saw Adam, the individual, and he said, mm, it's not good for him to be alone. So every, was, did that mean that Adam was not good? No, Adam was good, but he was missing something. He was incomplete, and God said, that is not good. He should not be alone, and therefore he brought him Eve. And the Bible says the two became one flesh, and together they perfectly and beautifully mirrored the image of God. It was family. It was family. You see, God said, oh, it's not good for him to be alone. Let me give him a family. Amen. And God gave Adam family. And you think you have some family issues, just read about Adam's family. <laughs> we all had some issues, right? But God gave him family. Why? Because it wasn't good for them to be alone. And the same is true for you and I. It's not good for us to be alone. Therefore, God gave us family. As individuals, we are alone in our individuality, but we are a part of something greater, and that is our family. But can I be honest with you for a second, church? I think we've, we, we've missed this in our culture today. And, and, and honestly, what I feel like the way we view family oftentimes is we think that the purpose of family is for the success of the individual. But it was never meant to be that way. The purpose of the individual was for the success of the family. But I see it all the time, parents killing themselves so that they can do what? So they can raise up their kid and then send them away. <laughs> right? And we, and we send them away, and then, and then we're done. 
and our job's over and we don't gotta worry about it. And they're away and they go away and then they get married, start their own family and then they send their kid away and it just goes over and over again and we just have like these fractured generations, so to speak. Now listen, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad if your kid moved away or something. I'm not, that's not the point. But, but the point of it is this mentality that we think often, in fact, especially in this generation today, uh, kids are growing up thinking uh, it's mom and dad's job to send me off. It's mom and dad's job to provide for me. It's mom and dad's job to send me to college. It's mom and dad's job to make sure I'm well established. No, it's not. It's not. That, man, their, their job is to teach you about Jesus. That's it. Amen. That's it. Your job is to be a part of the family. Your job is to be a part of the collective. Are you a unique individual? Absolutely, and praise God for that. But as a unique individual, your call is to take those unique giftings and abilities and those individualistic characteristics that God gave you and contribute to the whole of the family. God's design for us to be a part of the big picture, it starts with family. So it starts, it's with the individual and it starts, and then it's with the family. And then the family, so we have our individual identity, we have our family identity, and then we have our spiritual family identity. Because God has called us not only to be an individual and not only to be an individual in a family, but he has also called us to be a family inside of a family. And I call it the big family. That's his family. And so that third layer of identity is that spiritual family that God has called you to be a part of. Worship team, if you guys would come back up, we're gonna finish with this point. Because it says in Romans chapter eight, man, I love this. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Church, God's call for you, because you might be sitting here like super bummed, like my family stinks. Maybe it does. But guess what? God's called you to be a part of a bigger family. This is exciting. <laughs> Some of you are just like, uh. no, this is, yes. Because, why? Man, God, listen, God has called you. Man, and when you put your trust in the spirit of God, when you put your faith in God, he says, now you are called a son of God. So I am no longer just a son of Marty, although I am, but I'm a son of God as well. So I'm a, I am me, and I'm kind of messed up with just me, but I'm also a son of Marty, which is cool, but now I'm also a son of God. So he calls you. You see, those first two aspects of our identity are, are natural. They happen whether you believe in God or not. You're an individual, and you're in a family. But this third aspect of identity, it's supernatural. It happens because we put our faith in him. And so you're a part of something bigger because you're part of a family. But your family is a part of something even bigger than itself because it's a part of, called to be a part of God's family. 
John chapter one says, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We misuse that term sometimes. We'll hear people say, oh, we're just all just children of God. We're not. We're all creations of God. But only those who received him, who believed in his name, those are the ones who he gave the right to be called children of God, who are born, listen to this, who are born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, of his design. For in one spirit, 12, back to 1 Corinthians, in verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So you might just be a blue sky piece. But can I tell you, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're a son of God, a daughter of God. And he has adopted you. When you put your faith in him, when you put your hope in him for salvation, he adopts you into his family and you become born again as a son of God, as a daughter of God. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. So I would say this. If you haven't joined the family, What are you waiting for? The invitation is there. Today is the day. Stop goofing around and join the family. When will you recognize that you were never made to be alone? It's not good. Join the family. So every head bowed and eye closed. If that's you in this place, I want to pray for you. If you'd say, you know what, Pastor Trevor, I i got to be honest, I haven't put my trust in Jesus yet, but I'm ready to join the family. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray with you? Just say, that's where I'm at. Would you pray for me today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every hand and every heart. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have called us out of our bondage, out of our slavery, out of our junk, and that you have called us to be sons and daughters of God. And so I pray for everyone here that has not done that today, that they would do it. That they would turn to you right now and and, and they would confess in the name of Jesus that I have sinned, that I have fallen short, but I recognize today that you are my savior. You created me and then you saved me. And so Lord, I ask that you would now adopt me as your son or daughter. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now maybe you're here tonight, today, and you recognize that God has called you to be a son or daughter, but you've really just been focused on yourself. And I want to challenge you parents and specifically fathers that are here today. Does your family know what it means to be in your family? You see, God gave Abraham a promise and that promise continued with every kid even until today. 
They recognize the promise, the, the promise of the family, the call of God for the family. Does your family know that? Do your kids know what it means to have your last name? Do they know God's call? Do they know God's design? Do they know God's promise? And, and if they don't, then it's time that they learn it. And if you don't, then it's time that you get it. I can't tell you what that is, but I do know that God has a promise for your family. God is into families. He's got a promise for your family. He's got a mission for your family, and he wants your family to live in on mission according to the promise of God. And if you don't know where to start, then start in his word because it's right there for us. So I want to challenge you, dads, moms, teach your kids what it means to have your last name. Make them proud of their family. We got a weird last name, Rickard. Oh, it sounds weird. But my boys, you can ask them. You say, what does it mean to be a Rickard? And they'll tell you. They'll do the best they can, but they, they know. Why? Because God's given us a promise. And it's not just for me, it's for them. And so as we go forward as the big family, understand that your family, the little family, has a huge part to play in the big family. It's a family of families. That's the body of Christ. You might not, and, and listen, you might be a foot saying, well, I'm not the hand. Shut up. Don't worry about it. You own that foot. <laughs> own it. So if that's you, I want to encourage and challenge you today to begin to grab a hold of not just your individual identity in Jesus, but your family identity, to be a part of family of families. So dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every family that's represented here today. I don't know, can we just do something kind of weird? I know we're going a little late, but let's just get a little weird for a second. If, if you... Can I do this? If, if you have a family, let me ask first, if, you, if you're the father of a family, would you stand to this morning? And if there's not a father of your family, but you're a mom of a family, then would you stand? And maybe you're a kid here and you don't have a mom or a dad that's here, would you stand and represent your family today? Go ahead, don't be shy. I'm not going to make you do anything weird, that weird. I just want to pray for you in this way. So Lord, you see the family, this room is filled with families. Your families, families that you created, families that you brought together. And so we stand before you and we represent our little family and say, God, we're a part of the big family today. And I ask right now that you would just impart a, a, a promise to every family that's represented here today. God, that there would not be a single family that does not know their role, their call to be a part of the big family. And that they would not compare themselves to another family, but God, that they would own, God, who you've called them to be as, God, unique individuals and a unique family, a part of the family. That there would be no shame, God, that there would be no fear, but Lord, that we would begin to grab a hold of the promise of God for our family because God, we're losing our families, we're losing our kids. And the only thing that can save them is the family. 
And so I ask for a special blessing today over these families. Lord, that you would save their kids. Lord, that you would save, Lord, their children, that you would save their brothers and their sisters and their aunts and their uncles and their moms and their dads. And Lord, we stand in the gap right now. Before we try to save the world, Lord, would you just start with my family? Save my family. Let them be a part of the big family, we pray. We thank you for that, God. And I pray for courageous men in every family to lead in a courageous way, on mission, on purpose. God, not confused, not in identity crisis, not uh, lacking, God, not lazily, but Lord, uh, on purpose and on mission. I thank you for that. You should bless and encourage them today. And I thank you for it. And I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give them a shout of praise. Amen. Let's just go out with singing this morning. Let's, let's worship him as a family. Worship him as your family and amongst the family of families. Let's lift up our voice to our Father, the head, Jesus Christ. And let's begin to shout, uh, give him a shout of praise and worship. Come on, let's just sing it together today.
prayer team is, is standing by. We would love to pray with you and encourage you. If you become a part of the family for the first time, welcome. We want to pray with you. If your family, if you're, uh, you want to come and have us pray over your family, we would love to do that with you today. So don't feel a need to, uh, to rush out. Well, let us, let us pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. We love you so very much. And we'll see you Friday for our family night. God bless you. Oh, it's free.